Hey guys, welcome to another episode on raw motivations of empath slash narcissist. So um, again, joining me today is Jess. So super excited to have her here. And um, we're going to be talking through a couple different things today, just of our perception and of our upbringing some in regards to religion and like spirituality and kind of like what we're raised with, kind of how we view different aspects. So um, yeah. Just wanted to kind of throw that out there. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Jess, you want to give, I guess, like a small intro since some people might be joining us for the first time of like who you are? I am Jessica and I am the empath. Give like a little bit of background. Like Jess and I have known each other for years. We went to college together. And um, even though we've been uh, all across the country and haven't really connected, um, seen each other in person for, I don't know what it is, like. 15, 16 years or whatever, um, still kind of kept in touch and Jess has been through a lot and wanted to kind of bring her on here to be able to explain a little bit of what's happened in her life. Um, you guys already know a little bit of what's happened in my life, but also just how different aspects of life affect us in different ways. So anyways, just want to kind of jump in and kind of have us like share a little bit of like our religious backgrounds, kind of where we come from. So Jess, I'm going to kick it off to you first to kind of just go ahead and give a uh, update kind of like an idea of like what your religious background is and yeah we'll go from there when my sister and I were younger my parents had always sent us to private schools uh, the first school that I went to I think it was kindergarten through third it was Pentecostal um, th- I think the grading stopped I think around fourth or fifth grade and then you had to find another school um, so before that my parents sent me off to a Baptist school Pentecostal and Baptist are wildly different pentecostal (laughs) is a little more free spirit um still embracing some of that individuality and and baptist um there is no real individuality so the things that i thought that were okay were not my mom didn't really grow up religious my dad did um orthodox were greek orthodox um it wasn't necessarily that our religious views aligned with any of these places just kind of weird where home was a little more lax And then going to school, you know, you're expected to be or act a certain way. You know, it wasn't too big of an adjustment. It was just really hard because they're telling you what to believe. And you're like, man, that doesn't feel right. But you're like, okay, that's what they tell me. Just keep going. We stayed with those schools pretty much till the end. It was fine at first. I I got in a little, little bit of trouble. Nothing, nothing really big. It was like music or something. I think I said something about music and my teacher was like, oh, no, like we don't listen to that. It was sixth grade. I had a teacher. He did not think of women highly at all. Oh, girls can't go out and play for recess. You guys sit at the table and talk. Then we got into junior high and it got more about like girls must cover up and we shouldn't be the reason that men sin. We don't want them to be uh, tempted, basically. And and we wore uniforms. We wore jumpers. And then in junior high and high school, uh, we would wear like a fi- like a vest and skirt. Exactly. And it was hard because my sister and I are really thin and tall, you know these are the uniforms that are assigned by this school uh we took out it would have an extra like three or four inch hem my parents literally took out the whole hem and it was still right at the knee or right above the knee mid knee whatever and I would get hauled into the office all the time and it's like man I wish I would have known at that age like hey these are your uniforms you know (laughs) you needed something about the uniforms 
But I just noticed a lot at junior high and high school age, it was mostly about the women are the ones that tempt the men. And we should be the ones going out of our way to protect their heart and their soul. Um, I think that's when I really started to realize like something's off. Didn't really think too much of it. And then in high school, I had a lot of problems. Mostly, I, I was bullied a lot because I didn't apparently look like everybody else. I'm not saying I'm like God's gift to men, you know, I'm just saying I, you know, I was athletic. It always came down to looks. The office women were supposed to do dress codes for the girls and the pastors or male teachers are supposed to do dress code for the boys. Boys are easy, you know, just wear your clip and tie, you know, quit whipping each other with it or wear your belt. Um, girls were outside in recess and skirts, so we had to wear shorts or a slip under our dress, you know. And man, there were times I okay, I didn't have one. And when they were doing dress code check, I'm like, hey, I I don't have one. She would don't make me lift up my skirt. Why? You know, I am telling you that I'm not wearing one. Why do you still need me to lift up my skirt when I'm clearly telling you I'm not wearing anything underneath? Just highly, highly inappropriate. Right. Well, they would always save me for last. Parents would let me wear makeup after school on the weekends and you're wearing makeup. I would always get in trouble. I'm not. I I'm 32 years old. I still can't wipe off all the makeup off my eyes. I don't put on makeup, yet these girls are wearing heavy eyeliner, foundation, lipstick. They'd never get in trouble. The only thing I would wear on the weekends was mascara and lip gloss. Ooh. I started noticing when they were being really weird about my skirts and my shirts that I was definitely someone they wanted to watch out for. So it was really difficult being pegged for the person that's sexually alluring. It, it, it was just ridiculous when all these girls have like all the buttons way past their breasts you know all the way open and me they're all buttoned up yet I'm <laughs> the problem in junior high and high school we were expected to go to the church or the sister church which was the Spanish church we were not allowed to deviate from that if you wanted to stay in junior high and high school you had to go to those churches and you had to go weekly so we had to be there all the time. I learned a lot, honestly. I am a born-again Christian because of them. I am very lucky to have gone to that school and to have been in church and to listen to these sermons. A lot of evangelists, missionaries, just incredible, a lot of incredibly talented and loving people definitely formed a really good view about God and religion because of it. Where I didn't agree with was maybe music and stuff like that. Um, they would try and twist the words because, oh, well, back in old Greek, and I'm like, hey, I'm Greek and my yaya says <laughs> that's not true. And so I guess my pastors kind of didn't like that. And marriage, that obviously a big thing, you know, divorce is not an option by any means. And it wasn't until my last year there that a lot of deacons or head people in church started having marital problems. Um, some of them divorced. One of them, I believe I was in high school, a, a guy cheated on his wife and they were like family to us. Um, they felt like my big brother and sister. And this man had never touched me, had never approached me in any way, in any way. And I guess they couldn't find him or whatever. And they came, they pulled me into the office and they're like, where is he? You know, I'm in class. Like, what? I don't know. And they're basically grilling me. And I'm like, I don't know what you think, but this man has never done anything to me. I was mm -hmm. like, he cheated with a woman much older than him. I was like, do you really think he's going to touch children? 
And the pastor was kind of shocked. And I told my dad, because I was old enough to know like, hey, this is wrong. It's sad that on the sexual end or the marriage end that that school tried to like guide us and push us to think a certain way that the men are the, the men, I'm sorry, that the women um, are the ones that need to clothe themselves. Whereas why aren't we teaching men to sit there and think, hey, you know what? These are my thoughts and my actions and no one else is responsible but me. Women are supposed to be doing everything that the husband says. We are not to deny our spouse. Just stuff like that. And I beat it into our heads. And we have dreams. We want to be doctors. We want to be nurses. We want to be a lawyer. We weren't taught to do any of that stuff. It's sad. And they're teaching you at so young not to dream, not to be an individual. Getting into college, what do I want to study? What do I want to be? This is my time. You know, I'm an adult. I really wanted to do cosmetology, man. Really, really, really wanted to. When we were at school, you know, after hours, you should not be walking down the sidewalk with the opposite sex. There was a huge list of churches. I think they were huge. I mean, compared to what I have. I went to quite a few and they all had different perspectives, which was great. I loved it. You know, I was like, wow, all these churches, they believe in so many different things. At the core, it's the same thing. It's pretty much after college is when my view really did change. When I actually was able to form my own beliefs and keep them. Not because I was ashamed or because I felt I needed to. It's because I wanted to. Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a lot of different different things changing, different places going, you know, and a lot of different inputs, you know, into your life, you know, throughout that whole time. I know for for me, like early on, like I was very much in the in the church uh, from a very young age, you know, from a very young age where I was just that's all I knew. You know, um, my dad was an evangelist growing up. So two weeks after I was born, uh, I was on the road. And literally that meant moving from church to church every single week. So we'd go to about 45 churches a year, um, just going like every single week from one church to the next church. And literally just learn like a lot of things just from observing, of, you know, this is what we do. This is how we're supposed to act. This is how it's supposed to be. And a lot of that religion type was also just kind of inundated with, you know, seeing different people, seeing different churches, seeing how different people interact and knowing that, you know, this was how to present. This is how to be. Uh, and I feel like a lot of that had at times good moments, but a lot of it also had like moments of, you know, this is how people are supposed to conform, you know, and a lot of religion that I've seen, um, especially as I've been learning more and more has been about conformity and is about trying to get people to be a certain way, but not actually change who they are, mm -hmm. not actually change like what's actually going on underneath the surface, like the heart, which mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk of that. But uh, oftentimes what gets communicated is like, you know, hide that sin, you know, be this certain right. way, act a certain way. So definitely like growing up, there's different aspects of that. And, you know, growing up um, in a, a pastor's house, I got to see, I guess you could say the the good and the bad um and a lot of times you'd the bad would stick out as far as like dealing with different people um sometimes seeing how aggressive or um you know toxic like people could be in the church um mm -hmm. of how they'd interact with different people of how they'd attack different people you know um kind of getting out of um the church in one sense and working with different people different jobs you know there's different aspects that i was like wow like i'd rather work 
you know, a regular job and deal with the people there than I would with dealing with the people at church, <laughs> because, you know, there's a big aspect of, you know, people in the workplace, a lot of times you can get along with a lot easier than you can with some Christians, you know, the, the gossiping, the backbiting, mm-hmm. you know, the, the slide comments, everything like that, just, it was kind of ridiculous a lot of times. And then um, really like religion, like growing up, you know, there's a big aspect of like knowing who God um, was uh, who God is and like the aspect of what I need to do about that but you know for me I didn't have a, a sure foundation I didn't have like a really strong full on it as far as it applying to my life and applying to me and applying to my heart uh, again a lot of it was that conformity aspect so as a result I made a profession uh, of faith like I don't know like three four times or whatever I got baptized like three times you know um just like maybe this time it'll take you know mm. um but it was just like that that time of just over and over and mm. you know, like maybe I'm not a Christian now maybe I need to get saved again like all this kind of stuff maybe the first time wasn't real you know and and each time just kind of doing the same stuff kind of like going through the motions going through the actions and not realizing you know, hey, this this has to produce more than just a feeling for a moment. It has to produce mm-hmm. like this long lasting change. And ultimately, I think there's an aspect of, you know, me not, you know, seeing that long lasting change in my life because of how I continued and how I continued to develop. And then, you know, going to going to college, you know, going to a Bible school and like getting into that environment and seeing like, hey, this is this is how you have to perform. This is mm-hmm. how you have to be um in order to be here and and i mean there's good intentions behind it of like wanting to you know have people's hearts change but when the rubber meets the road a lot of times it's not as much about the heart change as it is just be a certain way you know be a certain way do a certain thing act a certain way go to certain churches listen to certain music only watch certain movies and you know that aspect really produces like a whole aspect of like legalism and whole aspect of you know just like i said like conformity and so that was really kind of what I experienced. Um, I would mm-hmm. say like a lot of times is that conformity of just trying to match a certain image. And that was an image that I'd learned and had done before, you know, for periods of time, like growing up and ended up being something that I continued on, you know, into college and then ultimately into relationships as well. Mm-hmm. So I know for me, like kind of like religion kind of formed some of my views about marriage and about relationships. And the the main thing you kind of touched on a little bit, but like the main thing was just like that underneath drive of like once married, always married, like mm-hmm. you can't get divorced. Like that's that's a bad thing, you know, um, then. And, you know, I mean, nobody goes into marriage just being like, hey, let's get mm-hmm. divorced, you know, so I'm not yeah. saying that, but there's also like an idea of almost like being like shunned or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're less of a Christian or less of a person, you know, if you end up um, getting divorced or if you end up going down that road and feeling like a lot of, um, I guess, overt and I guess covert kind of like shame, you know, that would come from Christians along the lines of like, oh, well, they got divorced, you know, like they did like this awful sin. And a lot of times people would hold that in a different regard than than other than other sins you know like they'd be like oh they got divorced but you know they wouldn't hold themselves accountable for you know them gossiping about something or them lying to someone else about something you know i mean there's just Mm -hmm. different things like that that really produce you know a lot of uh hypocritical like attitudes and 
um, with like the hip hypocrisy, like that was something I struggled with. Um, I struggled with that a lot actually in high school. I kind of skipped over that, but like in high school, I went to a Christian school for two years. Um, I was homeschooled while we were on the road, but I went to a Christian school for two years. And, you know, and all, honestly, like that kind of, I want to say like changed my dynamic and my view of Christianity even more because I kind of went to the school and there's all these people that are saying they're Christians and they're not living any different than anyone else. And I'm like, well, I guess it doesn't really matter that much, you know? Like there must not be that big of a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian because all these quote unquote Christians are living this way. You know, they're, they're still doing, you know, all the things that, you know, people would label like as the world, but they're still saying that they're a Christian, you know? So like active stuff, like in the school would be like, you know, Hey, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this, but then you see everybody do it and be like, okay, does it really matter then? Like, what's the point? And I saw a lot of hypocrisy that ended up kind of confusing you know, a lot of my thought process or interaction of the idea um, of Christianity and how that actually kind of related. Hey guys, just jumping on real quick here to talk about Anchor. If you haven't heard of it, Anchor is through Spotify. It's one of the easiest ways just to be able to produce a podcast. It's got everything you need in just one place. So Anchor has the tools. It allows you to record, edit, do everything you need to make a podcast right from your phone or your computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcasts on different platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many different more. It's an awesome tool. I love using it. I've been using it for a little bit now. And the cool thing about it is it's absolutely free. So if you're interested in starting up a podcast, if you're interested in getting involved in podcast work, then download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed just listening to some of these podcasts as I've been trying to go through and really just have a different tone and different style as I'm trying to inspire other people and as I'm trying to motivate other people to success in like every aspect of their life to set a new design for your future, a new perspective, a new chance to be able to grow and change and become your best self. And that is possible, but it takes work, it takes effort, and it takes a lot of intentionality, that's for sure. Um, I love working with people and talking with people like every single day. Like I get the chance to be able to work with people all around the globe that are oftentimes struggling in their relationships, in their life, uh, whether that's in abusive relationships or whether that's in, you know, life coaching or where they're trying to figure out like, how do I get from here to the next level? And if that's something you're interested in, would love to interact with you more. Uh, reach out to me on my website, rawmotivations.com. We've got a section there for one-on-ones. It's got some coaching. Sometimes we have events that pop up on there. Um, if you're in the aspect of where you've been listening to me or you follow me for some of the narcissistic stuff with the abusive relationships, with trauma bonds, things like that, would love to interact with you more. Like I work with people on a day-to-day basis on how to break those trauma bonds, how to be set free from the mindset that they have, the lies that they've been locked into, and really just a way to find healing and growth and to become the best version of themselves that they can possibly be. So if that's something you're interested in, I would love to be able to interact with you more. I would love to talk to you. Uh, Keep an eye out on the website. we got some really awesome stuff coming down the pipe. Um, We're working on developing and releasing. The web version is actually here uh, right now uh, of the NARC app, so Narcissistic Abuse Recovery uh, Community. And we're actually putting that together for people who've been in those abusive relationships. Uh, We're going to expand it long term to be about other abuse, other things 
things, uh, but as a way to really connect with other people and to provide like a coaching opportunity so people can read up about this stuff. They can understand, they can have like a, a lesson plan and a guidebook of what those relationships do and how to get out of them and how to work through all those things that kind of go on there. So check out the website sometime. Would love to interact with you more. Follow us on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, would love to interact with you there as well. Thanks for listening to the podcast and stay tuned for the rest. Uh, but yeah, like I mentioned, like as far as like marriage and relationship, like a lot of that was just like, don't get divorced and you know, that's it, you know? And if you do, mm-hmm. like you're an awful person. Um, yeah. I know like the other question I wanted to kind of have us touch on, but like, you know, w- with religion, how that kind of like form, like our views about marriage and relationships. Um, what did that necessarily mean to you? Like in the abusive relationship you got into, like, how did that kind of like influence your thought process? Um, trying to figure out like what to do, how to get out, right. or you just, you know, cognitively if that was okay. There was a big moment. Um, in my life, which kind of <laughs> led to me kind of rebelling at the end of my college career. Ultimately, I was expelled, rightfully so. I didn't do anything terrible, but it was just against the rules. And so with that, I kind of spiraled. I wasn't allowed to study what I wanted to, didn't get to go where I wanted to. So I was definitely feeling, I was just tired of the hypocrisy, really. People doing worse things than me and they're still in school. I ended up meeting my ex-husband through my childhood friend. I know she's probably listening to this and genuinely, it was never her fault. I was on a path of honest, just going out and living my life. And Mm -hmm. I didn't care. I just wanted out of it. So this guy lived far away. Um, He's also from a very religious family. I went and visited them. His mom's like, you know, like, why didn't she just stay with us for the summer? You know, no big deal. So I did. Obviously, it wasn't how we were taught relationships should be. We shouldn't be living together um, before we're married. I never had sex before I was married. You know, that was the hard line for me. I was still living at his parents' house. We were not living in the same room. It was just, we lived so far away and I clearly didn't want to be home because the school wanted me back the next month to go back to school there and I was like I will do anything to not go back you know um, I was doing all the things that I was taught not to except for a few things a couple years down the road we're buying a house and his parents are pushing for hey you guys can't be living together before you're married I'm like well both of our names are on the house so I don't know what you're gonna do about it you know we're adults right and so we're already engaged and we're like ah you know let's just do it whatever got married everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong i should have just known does not do it but (laughs) we got married and like i said everything changed day of that we got married But when we were married, it was like basically beating me down. You need to be this way. You need to fit in this box, which he never did before. So it was really weird to go from we're free, you know, do whatever we want to now you got to be like this. (laughs) And it was hard to watch because he was cheating on me. I did not know the specifics of it, but just watching him in church just fidget, just couldn't sit still. Mm. And then saying, oh, I want to be a pastor, but you could never be a pastor's wife. So it was just really weird how my view on marriage was just 
day by day, it was just constantly warped. Right. But when I was married, I was like a worm in his eyes, cooking, cleaning. I'm supposed to be the one that's taking care of the home. But at the same time, I have to work and support. It, it was just weird. It, it was like whatever fit in his view was what I was supposed it's to be Kind of like whatever like he wanted was right. what he was supposed to do. Exactly. So it was so hard going through not only physical abuse, but sexual abuse. Like your spouse, like it's mm -hmm. just so damaging it was hard you know I kept going back and forth like I don't want to get a divorce because it's wrong but at the same time my dad's like I don't even know if you're gonna live to see another day you know we live in the middle of nowhere my family may have never found me right. so that kind of gave me the the strength to go okay that's it we we can't be together we're toxic for each other and that was hard because mainly my mom was still going to the church, my childhood church. It was disgusting, the things that they had said about me, not knowing anything. Like the people at the church. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would run into them, it, that hypocrisy, that two-facedness. Like, why can't, like, you're an adult. Why can't you just tell me, you know, what you feel? But I could just tell that I wasn't welcome. It was just some of the worst things I had ever heard, you know, and mind you, I know a lot about these people's lives. And right. it's like, how dare you? You don't even know what happened. These guys have known me since I was nine years old. A lot of them, I went to school with their significant others or even mm -hmm. them. Really? Do you really think I'm that kind of a person? It was even harder too, because I was one of the first people on both sides of my parents' family to get divorced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My dad, his mom was extremely religious. I told her she knew that I wouldn't just walk away just because. Mm -hmm. Her with her, I never felt terrible or anything other than I did the right thing. On my mom's side, there was some shame because I couldn't bring myself to tell the whole truth. Mm -hmm. And like to tell like how bad it was in one sense. Right, right. They right. my grandma knew that hey, there was something really bad going on. And my mm -hmm. mom told her a little bit. Mind you, I didn't tell my parents everything. Right. But my grandma, on her deathbed, she didn't even tell family what had happened. Because I was getting judgment from them, too. For right. sure. Hardcore judgment. And they're not even religious. They're just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they are. <laughs> but, right. you know, it it's just that stigma, whether it's societal or religious, there's always that around divorce which it even says in the bible we were even taught as kids there are reasons for divorce right mine was that reason even yeah, to this day <laughs> yeah and even to mm -hmm. this day you know I, I do feel guilty just a smidge just a twinge every few months and i'm like look you know that's wrong mm -hmm. what i did was right and i saved my life right and that's all that matters and that's between God, myself, my ex, and I'm okay with it. No, absolutely. I think that's something that a lot of times people don't hear from people that have been in abusive relationships of like how much they feel judged, you know, by other people, by um, the church, by people that, you know, quote unquote religious, you know, different things like that. And how religion a lot of times plays into that aspect of feeling very like condemning and like punishing versus like, trying to help uh, either restore or rebuild, you know, yeah. someone who's been, you know, really damaged and really hurt. And Even, unfortunately, yeah. I see that a lot of times in a lot of churches and a lot of different aspects. I know like for 
for me, there was definitely um, moments where, you know, I felt that in a lot of different aspects and I'm on the opposite end of, you know, a lot of those issues and a lot of those things that I've had to work through and try to process, you know, and for, for my relationship, like, as I got into it, there was like this big, like dissonance between, you know, what I knew was right versus what I was doing. Um, and it was like the aspect at times that I didn't really understand I understood like what I was doing and that what I was doing was wrong because I was like hiding it, you know, as far as like affairs and like cheating and things like that. But I also didn't know necessarily like how to stop it. It felt like I wasn't like, not that I was like possessed, but it felt like I wasn't always like driving, you know, Mm -hmm. it was like, this is just how I'm supposed to live life. Like, this is just what I'm supposed to do. Like, I can't get this here. So I can do this here, you know, all this kind of stuff and didn't really know like what to do. And I think that was like really evident um with the the first affair that I had and got to the place where um we actually came to it was probably the worst way to be able to to um tell people but I asked asked to meet with one of my pastors uh, at the church that we were at um in South Carolina and uh I showed up with my affair partner and we both sat there and confessed it to him and uh it freaked him out (laughs) you know it was like it was not something he was expecting. And then like when he saw both of us, he was definitely like, what the heck's going on kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then that's kind of started a whole thing with um, the pastors there in the church of like, you know, you were wrong and, you know, we're going to go this direction. And it was almost like the idea of uh, we both came to the pastors and we both confessed it. And we're both like, hey, like, we know this is wrong. And I'm like, I don't really know, you know, how I even got here. Like, I don't even know like what I the steps that I took to get here and like in one sense, like, I don't know how to fix it. Um, but at that point, like the, the only option really was just like conformity and, you know, you need to repent and you need to change. And while I wanted to, there's also a big aspect that wasn't sure how I wasn't mm-hmm. sure how to walk along that process. And as a result, part of that process, um, you know, the pastors thought that I was basically like unrepentant. And they were like, you're, you're, you're not actually following through with certain things. You're not doing these things. And I'm like, I am like, I do want to change. Like, I, I don't know how. And, you know, trying to have, you know, really put like a bad taste in my mouth, I guess what you could say of, you know, in one sense, like I'm here, I'm repentant, I'm confessing. And like, I'm like making changes in my personal life. I'm trying to make changes. We're in the process of like getting ready to move within like the next like six months. So like, there's going to be an aspect of, no longer interacting or being around that person in the work environment or in church or things like that. So there's like things that are kind of coming down the pipe that I was like, you know, this is all happening and changing so that I am not around this person anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, they viewed a lot of that as being like unrepentant and started kind of going the direction of like to kick me out of the church. Mm -hmm. And there was something that like Kayla went and like talked to him. And then like my dad went and talked to him and was like, you know, Hey, like he's like actually repentant. He's trying like, Mm -hmm. and there's just like no support. There really Mm -hmm. wasn't any like support at all. It was just kind of like judgment and like punishment. And, you know, uh, it's ironic because like even some of the people that were involved in that whole process, you know, later down the road, you know, Mm -hmm. are either no longer with the church or, you know, are, not um serving in that same capacity because of similar things Mm -hmm. you know and so it's just i don't know it just shows more like hypocrisy and stuff like that that makes it really hard for you know 
victims, abusers, people that have just messed up a lot of stuff to be able to come to the table and be like, hey, like, I've done a lot of stuff. Like, how do I get better? Like, how do I work on this? A lot of times feeling that judgment ends up just shutting down even more to the place of like, what's the point? And so um, as I was in the marriage and as I continued to struggle with that, there was aspects that like none of that got fixed. It was more like it ended up being conformity, you know, just act Mm -hmm. a certain way, but it didn't change like the heart. It didn't change like the things going on inside of me. And so as a result, like that cycle continued. Um, but there was still like random pieces that would stick, you know, like the idea of like, I can't get divorced. Like I'm not supposed to get the divorce. Like it's bad to get divorced, but at the same time, then I'd still be like cheating. So like, it didn't really make sense, um, like logically, but it made sense as far as like, that was like the current thing I was experiencing or like the box that I was in of, you know, not acknowledging, you know, my marriage and stepping out on it. But then um, all of a sudden realizing like, oh, well, yeah, but I can't go forward with a divorce because that would be wrong. You know, it was very weird right. kind of like dissonance, like in my mind that I couldn't really figure out or resonate. And it wasn't until I started becoming aware and I started to learn more about narcissism was like realizing like how a lot of that was like manipulating the situation, manipulating like my mind and manipulating like everything going on of like, no, I just didn't want to look bad. You know, I didn't want that that image of, mm-hmm. you know, being the guy who got divorced, you know, and there being a big like fear or kind of like intrepidation about that, of not wanting that image, you know? So, but anyways, yeah. that's kind of uh, uh, my, my side of it, kind of like my take a little bit as mm-hmm. far as like religion. And it was the longest episode we've ever recorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully people stuck with us and didn't get too bored, but you know, just, just a little bit, just about like our religious background, kind of how it, you know, formed some of our views about things and then ultimately like what it meant in the relationship. And I think one of the biggest takeaways just with what you said and just kind of like hearing the different aspects is just like the idea of like people in involved in church and involved in religion that end up, you know, judging people pretty hardcore. Um, the things that has been done to them or that's happened, you know? Mm-hmm. unfortunately yeah it, it really is unfortunate and I want to touch on that too where like for you you were clearly struggling and people are sitting there doing the same thing it's mm-hmm. just really sad you know church is supposed to be a place where we can come together and fellowship and help each other right. it really does break my heart you know I'm not saying you know you're a terrible person <laughs> I'm a sinner too you know I struggle with my own things too. We're all guilty of something. We all struggle with something. It's really, really unfortunate that we can't put our pride aside and just be like, hey, I'm struggling with that too. You know, instead of keeping that imagery going, why can't we just be open and honest and help each other out? Right. That's very true. Well, anyways, uh, thanks so much for being a part of another episode. So excited to uh release this and kind of see where we go from here so i know we got some other things like on our list and even you know more aspects of telling both our stories and communicating stuff like that so excited to be able to see where we go from here so thanks so much Mm 
Hey, I hope you've enjoyed these episodes. I love interacting with different people. If you're interested, reach out to me sometime through my website, Raw Motivations. Would love to interact with you. Either send us a message there, uh, schedule one-on-one so I can talk to you and try to work with you through whatever whatever you're going through on life. You know, Whether that's a relationship, uh, narcissism, uh, whether that's just life trying to get from one step to the other and trying to figure out how do I break out of this mind fog of what's going on. Would love to talk to you more. We'd love to see you guys reach out and comment and like on different things. We've got Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We'd love to see interactions there. And as you're listening to this, like go ahead and rate us. Give us a couple of ratings just to help promote this message to other people so other people can have positivity in their lives as we're trying to grow, change, and help other people find that awareness as well.